Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. We're so glad you've taken the opportunity to avail yourselves of our audio sermons. If they are encouraging to you, or if you just want to make a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and leave us a comment. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Greetings this Lord's Day in the name above all names. Jesus is He who taught righteousness and He lived it. Amen? He was not as we often find ourselves teaching one thing to our churches, to our families, to our friends, and doing another. He was not a hypocrite. Everybody say Jesus was not a hypocrite. He was, as we are not by our own merit, but longed to be holy. He was holy, as the Bible says, in all manner of his life, in all manner of conversation, as they say in the scriptures. David cried out to the Lord in Psalm 26, and he said, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me, and test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence, and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud, and telling all your wondrous deeds." O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, and whose hands are evil devices, and whose right hands are full of bribes. As for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground in the great assembly. I will bless the Lord. This is Holy Scripture, but Holy Scripture is written by men. As we learned in the Catechism, who wrote the Scriptures? Holy men of God were moved on by the Holy Spirit. So, I almost hesitate to say this, but when I, sometimes I read the words of David and I think to myself, Seriously, David? We, we know your life. And we know the life that you live. We know the things that you did. But, you know, when I read what he proclaims to the Lord, even in his prayers, I don't know if it would be wrong to say, even though it is inspired by the word, to say that he's being a little bit hypocritical. He's saying, Lord, I, I, I don't hang out with bad people and I do what's right in my heart is right. And, and you know what? Before the Lord, because of the blood of Christ that covered David's life, I'm sure that's exactly how David is seen by God. But, but truly we know that David was certainly a hypocrite. We know that he was a murderer and that he was an adulterer. And that when he heard the story of Naaman, his heart was enraged. You know, he heard the story from Nathan the prophet. How he's like, there was a certain man. And he hears the story about the man and he was enraged. Where's the man that's done this thing? That that took this poor man's only little sheep? Where's this guy? This guy's going to die. And David looks at him. Nathan looks at David and says what? 
That's you, buddy. You're the man. Thou art the man. And David, even though he was a great man of God, a man after God's own heart, he was a man who was tempted to hypocrisy. And today we're going to talk about that. My sermon today is going to be called, You Might Be a Hypocrite If. And Jesus talked about this. He not only talked about it, he got himself to the point where he would call people names. And we, we, we do not encourage, Steve, do we, our children to call people names. Uh, but Jesus called people names and he called us names. And we need to hear it. He didn't waste any words. His, we, there's no hypocrisy in the words of Christ. Amen? And as he taught in the Sermon on the Mount here, uh, we will get to it later. But, but we need to understand today that it is by God's grace that we are saved through faith. And that is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Let us rejoice today in the gift of God as we uh, pray and ask God to accept our worship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your kindness and your mercy, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that... You not only taught righteousness, but you lived it. Lord, that's what we all here who, who are, have been changed by your Spirit. That's what we desire. Lord, we want to be righteous. We want to be holy. We want to be like you, Lord. And we understand that there was no hypocrisy found in your mouth as it is often found in our own. Today as we come before you seeing these sins that we are... Uh, entangled in on a daily basis, we pray that you would deliver us from them and that you would forgive us. And we know that your blood and uh, your, your sacrifice for us has made provision for that. We also come before you hungering and thirsting after righteousness and you are filling us from heaven with food that we otherwise would know not of. We pray, Lord, that you would change us and that you would Send us out into the world to be doers of what we have learned. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. in the life of Christ is found in the four Gospels. And my text today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 18. And you know we're talking about hypocrites today. Uh, And so I got your number, all right? I got my number. I'm I'm hearing the Word of God and I'm hearing how I need to repent myself. So, all right, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus uh, has been talking to them. Uh, about how to live life in the kingdom, what kingdom life looks like and what it doesn't look like. And uh, he gets here to verse 5 and he says this. Read it with me. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet... 
And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner pray ye, our father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. They are of a sad countenance. They disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy face. Appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Let us pray. Lord, we love you so much, and we are made keenly aware when we hear your word that you don't love us because we have been good, that we've been righteous, that we have obeyed all of your commands and done well, that you love us in spite of these things, that it is your uh, word that will wash us from the filth of our sins, and today we need washed, for we are indeed guilty of these sins. May we be able to see them instead of just see them in others. As you said, the hypocrites do. They see the sins in others, but their flagrant sins of their own, they do not see. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. There is little more despisable in others than hypocrisy. Okay, did you, did you catch that turn of phrase? There's little more despisable in others. Everybody say, in others, than hypocrisy. We often find ourselves almost with a snarl on our face when we say, those hypocrites, you know? When I read, when I hear Matthew 23, I'm like, that's right. Those bunch of Pharisees, hypocrites, those nasty bunch of... Ah! Do you guys feel it with me? Do you feel the snarl? Those When you say it, you almost want to go, those hypocrites. Don't you want to do it? I do. Could be, could be because I'm the worst one in the bunch. Who knows? It's almost like we tasted something bitter or spoiled, you know. Ugh, those hypocrites. I hate them. As a Yosemite Sam, hypocrites. I hate those hypocrites, you know. Those people are hypocrites. Those liberals, they're hypocrites. They, they talk about global warming and, and the need to cut down on the use of fossil fuels. But look at them. They're driving an SUV. Matt Damon, the actor, Jason Bourne, is anti-gun. Isn't that hysterical? He shot 800 people in his last movie. Picked up 400 weapons. Showed the whole world. I think it's funny. Hillary Clinton's got a, a commercial this week. And she's showing the bad things that Donald Trump has done. And, and in it she goes, our children are watching. And I'm thinking, 
If you're worried about our children seeing it, why are you showing it in a commercial 300 times a day? Our children are watching. So let's, let's, let's put it on rewind and play it over and over and over for them all day long. I mean, is she cared, does she care about our kids? Hypocrite. She preaches against Wall Street. They said this week she took $48 million from Wall Street firms. Hypocrite. It always seems that those hypocrites out there, we love to hate them. I mean, don't you love to hate them? I mean, this is what Facebook is perfect for this. They love to take people's hypocrisy and put it on Facebook, and everybody goes, I just can't believe those people. Those people, come on, Elaine knows what it is, right? You know what? Those people are just so horrible. You know, and we love to do this. This is part of our human nature. It's not the good part of our human nature. It's not the part of our regenerated human nature. It's kind of like revenge. Like, you know how we love to see the bad guy get what's coming to him and, and we love it and we love it, you know, like we talked about last week. Jesus is warning us about something that's in us that we feel pretty good about. It's not really very good at all. Now, those are the hypocrites that are out there. The ones among us, though, they're even worse. I mean, we figure that Hillary Clinton is a hypocrite, right? Or Matt Damon or some other actor or actress or whatever. We, I mean, that's to be expected, right, Luke? But when preachers are hypocrites, now that's a whole nother level, right? That's a whole nother level. I mean, we, we hate it when they are hypocritical, but when we find people among us that are hypocrites, we despise them even worse. It seems that the most sanctimonious, the most holy, the, the, the preachers that preach on holy separate living, aren't they always the ones that come out and they're the ones that have the affair? They're the ones that are doing some horrible thing. Like their thing was to preach against this every week, every week, and they end up being the ones doing it, right? Come on. Now, preaching righteousness isn't a bad thing. But if you want to recognize hypocrisy in yourself, if you want to find a hypocrite, find someone who preaches righteous living. You might go, well, there are good people that preach life righteous living. Oh, I know. The, The hypocrites preach righteous living even harder than the people who are actually living it. Because it's like one of those things, it's like, It's like there's love, okay? And love that the world has to show us looks a certain way. And it almost looks like like the same kind of love, but it's not. It's like an angel of light. Our own hypocrisy disguises itself as righteousness, and we don't and we just let it be. Amy, we just, you know. And I love to give you a hard time because you're 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 a great hypocrite. Just like all of us. But it doesn't seem to bother you when I preach against you. You seem to like it. All right? You know how you despise things, Amy, in Jeff? But in yourself, you, you go, you're okay with it, right? And sometimes Amy and I will talk on the phone. You know, she's upset about something. And I'm like, so, so you, you're not like that, huh? And then she'll be like, oh my goodness, I'm just like that. There you go. See, that's what a hypocrite is it. When a hypocrite goes, oh, wow, you just pointed out my sin and it's pretty blatant. Wow. Well, hey, I'm worse than the person I'm upset with. Wow. In fact, it's a real good way of turning anger and frustration and bitterness that develops for other people when you realize how hypocritical you are.
In our text, Jesus is reminding us that even though we are saved by God's grace, we are still tempted with all manner of sin, including hypocrisy. Now, most of us find it hard not to be angry with someone who is accused or confronted us uh, with different sins. But when someone accuses us of being a hypocrite, it makes us mad. I mean, Andy, Andy, I just want you to know, you know, and Andy be like, how, you know, it, now you may not be, but it can happen this way. I know, it may, someone telling me I'm a hypocrite, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to be mad about it. I'm no hypocrite! We don't like it. It's not a sin that we confess. We'll confess the normal sins. Yeah, I, I have the normal sins, Derek, that, you know, other men have. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I understand it. But I mean, imagine all the guys standing around in a circle before church and one of them goes, you know, man, you know that prayer I prayed last week? When I wrote that, I honestly wrote it because I knew the Narwald family would be here and I knew they would really think that my prayer was clever. And they would think that I was smart and that I was holy and I was righteous. And when I wrote that prayer, I wrote it just because of that. And I wasn't even really thinking about God hearing my words. I mean, would anybody confess to that? Come on. (laughs) Nobody's going to confess to that. Why? It's like some sins you just don't confess to. I mean, some sins, you know, oh yeah, everybody does that. But you start confessing to a sin like that and people are like, well, hey, now, I don't know. You know, I never had that feeling. I never, I never had that thought. I would never do that, right? Some sins are more shameful than others. And this one carries a great deal of shame. And for that reason, it is not confessed so easily. And honestly, if you, you know, you'll say it. You know, I think Andy said it earlier. Oh, we're all guilty of that. You know what? Sometimes we say that, Andy, because we don't really think we are. Now, I don't know if you think you are or you're not, but I'm telling you what. We say that, and we gloss over the fact, and we don't look into our hearts and see where is this hypocrisy living? Where have we given it shelter? Where have we given it shade? Where have we allowed it to grow in our life in a way that we don't despise it? Jesus was either wasting his words in the Sermon on the Mount, which he was not, or he thought hypocrisy was a very real sin, a very real inclination that flows from our darkened hearts. The deep desire to be well thought of by others, the desire for people to think better of us than we should. You might even remember the admonition of the Apostle Paul. What does he say? We should not think more highly of ourselves, right? And the deal is this. Is there is a fine line. How many people here want to be righteous and holy? I do. Okay? And, and how many want are good to be evil spoken of? I don't. Okay? And, but there's a fine line between what is good and righteous and in what really comes not from a heart and a desire and a love for God, but that comes from a heart that is sinfully decayed. And we have nurtured this thing that we thought was righteousness. And what it really becomes is self-righteousness. The Bible says God hates that. He hates it so much. He hates it worse than actual depravity. When, When people just do wrong, it's one thing. But there are people... And what they want to do is, is, is they want to feel righteous even in their sin. That's why, you know, I mean, I got a, I got a letter this week from, um, I got a letter this week from Africa, an email. 
And they were inviting me to be a part of them. They're a group of 60 to 70 gay and lesbians. And they are doing uh, work with relieving people in uh, that have AIDS, of course, right? I mean, why is it that, that, that these, these gays that are Christians, quote-unquote, that of course we know they're not, but why aren't they involved in leukemia research or diabetes or whatever? Why is it that their cause is going to be AIDS? Why? They want it to look, oh, we're being compassionate. They're not being compassionate when they do that. They're being self-serving and they're wanting to seem self-righteous and, and they're, they feel good about themselves. Folks, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you know, we can see that for the homosexuals in Africa, Andy, but what we can't see is when it's us. And Jesus, his disciples were right there. The people that were following him were right there and he was admonishing them Luke, to look carefully at themselves and in Everything that they're talking about here, it's amazing. They're talking about good deeds, things you ought to be doing, things you should be doing. They're talking about praying. They're talking about giving. They're talking about fasting. They're talking about relieving the poor, right? These are all the best things, right? But these are the things where the enemy can cultivate hypocrisy in us instead of what's lovely and what's beautiful. And so there can be a guy who's giving, and his giving can be beautiful to God, and the other guy's giving to the poor, and it's ugly and detestable to God. Isn't that amazing to you? Because we're very practical. We're just like, we just want people to do good deeds. No, that's not enough. Christ is saying we need to be doing good for the right reason. And when we do good, we need to be do- there's a certain way to do it, and there's a way to do it that feeds that part of our flesh that wants to be loved and respected and admired and who wants to shield the true thing that we really are and that we need to confess. The Bible says if you say that you have no sin, we have what? We are deceiving ourselves. We are liars and the truth is not in us. And so hypocrites are liars. Yes, they preach righteousness. Yes, they do good deeds. And in fact, Jesus said you should do all the things that they tell you to do. Because there's nobody better at preaching righteousness than hypocrites. Because they've researched it. They've figured it out how to do it. And they've, they've figured out how to do it better than anybody does. But they don't figure out how to do it better than anybody does out of a desire to please God. They do it out of a desire to be loved by other people. And God finds that disgusting and you should too. The Bible says, he that thinks he stands should take heed lest he fall. Pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. I didn't realize when I was young uh, what a hypocrite and a self-righteous person I was. And God had to, through many, many horrible things, teach me because he loved me enough. I used to look at all divorced people and I'd say, well, if they had been good husbands... If they, you know, it takes two to tango was my first thing everybody always said. It takes two to tango. I would be hard on these people. I would say, well, you know, you don't really know what goes on between people. And, you know, and I would assume the worst. I was, I was wrong about that. I used to look at people with back pain and and I'd be like, yeah, right. So God loved me enough to give me some. And I pray I'll never be like that. I... I went to Russia for three weeks and was treated like dirt by the Church of Christ ministers. And I despised it. I wanted to kill them. Because they believed I wasn't saved. I wasn't even a Christian. My church wasn't called the Church of Christ. I wasn't 
baptized the way they wanted me to. And they treated me like dirt. And at the end of it, you know, guys, I went to church that believed that unless you did it like we did, you weren't a Christian. And I treated people like dirt and that they weren't Christians. I went to school with Christian people and treated them like they weren't Christians. Why? Because I was raised to believe that if you believed in the Trinity, you weren't a Christian. If you weren't baptized like I was, you weren't a Christian. And here I am, Derek, three weeks with these insane, godless bunch of heathen Church of Christ preachers. Only to find out that thou art the man. I sat on the plane and I'm like, and the Lord, I'm, on the, I'm in a bubble top 747 heading back from Switzerland to my home. Pretty exotic location. God speaks to me. I must, because I've been up, up so high, so close up in the air, up in the sky, way up on top of the double decker. God made it easier for God. God spoke to me and he said, that's been you for years. And I'm like, <gasps> he said, you memorized all that scripture and you know what? You debated people and you beat them, but you were wrong. Is my word for debate, is my word for arguing, is my word for winning and being smarter than other people? Because Steve, that's what I was doing. And God is like, you are shameful, son. And I'm like, it was so obvious what I saw in other people, but I didn't see in myself. Hypocrisy is dangerous. It refuses to acknowledge our weakness. It refuses to do this in another. It's another way of saying that we are strong. He that it says he stands, take heed lest he fall. Hypocrites say, I am. Look at me. I can do this. and, And what they're saying is, I have strength of my own. The old Oxford Dictionary defines hypocrisy this way. Assuming a false appearance of virtue or goodness without the character or inclinations to make it come to pass, especially in respect to religious belief and life. Pretense, sham. It identifies a hypocrite in this manner. One who falsely professes to be virtuous Or religiously inclined, one who pretends to have feelings or beliefs of a higher order than the real ones he really has. Hypocrites will come into a group and they will assume the convictions of the people in the group. And they have no convictions whatsoever like that. And you find this out when they leave the group and they live completely different way. You'll go, well, what happened? All of a sudden their theology just changed? No. What happened is, is they knew how to look the part. They were a part of that crew. And when you talk to them, they would talk about, God has really dealt with me how to, that I shouldn't do this. And God has really moved on my heart that this is important. But then they go somewhere else and they just drop it all like like it was nothing. And I go away going, man, I remember the talk that we had where you said God had dealt with me about this and God wanted me to do this. And so did he come again in the night? Like last week and then say, well, I just wanted that for a little while until you went to a different place. And you might go, well, am I trying to like brand someone? No, I'm saying recognize this in you. Do you change to be like the people that you're around? Do you talk as if you have these deep convictions from God, but you have them just because of the people you're with? God isn't impressed by that. He can see that. He hates it. Critics of Christianity, what do they say? I don't want to go to that church because it's filled with what? Hypocrites. And you might go, well, you know, they're heathens and that's what they think of us. They can see clearer than you can. 
They're on the when someone isn't a part and they're they're over there, they're looking in, they they can see. They make jokes. The world makes jokes about the hypocrites in the church. And what's funny is the jokes are so true. But we don't like it because we don't like it when people talk bad about us. But the truth is, is there's plenty of bad to be talked. The word hypocrisy is found 17 times in the, the New Testament. In fact, Jesus, most of the time, is calling someone one of these names, okay? So don't, you can't be mad at me. I'm supposed to represent Christ. I think we got some hypocrites in here. In fact, I could name a few names. I'll start with my own. Okay, Christina's raising her hand. She's one too. <laughs> me and Christina. We're the worst hypocrites. We're the ones Jesus preaching about here. Now, it may not hit any of you, but I think I know better. You hypocrites is a phrase that reoccurs over and over. You know, Andy's reading it. You hypocrites. I mean, there are exclamation points in the New Testament after this. He wasn't just, you know, you hypocrites. No, you hypocrites. Woe unto you, you blind guys, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he'd say this over and over. And the deal is we talked about sin the other Wednesday night. You might not have been here. But hypocrisy is one of those things that we giggle at when it's little. It's cute like the little foxes that spoil the vine, like those little tiny things that we allow live. Like many of you who read those, those cool books, you know, like that dragon egg that we bring home. Isn't it cute? And when that little baby dragon's born, isn't he cute? And we pet him and we play with him. And he's a friend and they told us we shouldn't do it, but isn't he cute? And soon he's so big, he's burning the forest down and burning down your life. Matthew 23, Andy read, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this and then I'm going to go through our text and I'm gonna, I'll close it down. Jesus spoke to the multitude, his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Listen to this. Now, if, if you think I've gone over the edge that I don't know what I'm talking about, listen to this. Jesus says this, All therefore whatsoever they bid you to observe, that observe and do. So, does that back up my statement? That if, they know, if, if, if anyone knows how to live righteous, it's a hypocrite. Don't you think? Jesus is saying, watch what they do and you should do what the things that they say to do, you should do. Do you remember Jesus saying this? Our righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. So even though the scribes and Pharisees were wrong, they were students. They were intellectually uh, smart about how to do good. And, he, and never in any of the things that they do, like, you know, they, they, has anyone ever grown dill in your garden? Right? Or cumin. It's like so small, it becomes a little spice. I mean, it could be like one little thing growing. They literally would tie. They would like take, you know, they got so many leaves and they'd count them all out and, and they would tithe off that leaf. And now he's not saying this is dumb and you shouldn't do it. He's not saying, you know, you despise the number counter. The guy who's, who, you know, the Andes, the, the, the Excel grid guy. You don't despise that. You do that. Okay? But what he says is you got to watch the fact that you can be more concerned about doing that and not what? The weightier matters of the law. We have all different personalities. Okay? But the deal is, is where hypocrisy comes to root in our life is when we find ourselves... Yeah, how many want to do everything right? How many want to fast the right way? How many want to pray the right way? How many want to tithe the right way, right? You, we want to do all of that. But Jesus says, you know what? You have neglected the weightier matters of the law. 
And you might go, now wait a second here. Jesus is not saying, it's like you come to the church and you see that, you know, there are weeds that are, you know, above the sidewalk and that Steve and, and, and uh, Biz didn't cut it. Now, should we have, should, I didn't see any today, by the way, but, but we could walk in the church and notice those weeds and that could be on our mind, right? Should we have weeds? Should the flower beds be filled with weeds here? Come on, let's talk about it. Shouldn't they? They should not be. All right. But let's say that is what now. So it's right that we shouldn't have them. It's right that our grass ought to look decent. It's right that our ceiling shouldn't be falling in or that our bathrooms shouldn't be disgusting. And the people that was it was it your family? Jacob, did your family clean up in here? Whoever cleaned this room did an excellent job. It looks fantastic. That's that's great. Lord bless you guys. Or somebody did. I don't know. I don't know who did it. That's beautiful. But how many would say this? You know what? I would rather have weeds and I would rather have dirt if I can't, if, if, if getting rid of the weeds and getting rid of the dirt means that I neglect a need in the church that's a little bit more weighty. Let's say you have someone in the church that has a desperate situation going on in their family and you're so busy pulling weeds and cleaning rooms that you never even get to the discussion about that person. What do you think, Benita? You think God... Look, Benita, she's, she just went down like a, like a great sequoia just right down there. If this was a Pentecostal church, she would have just went, woo, and she would have passed out. She'd be, laying in, she'd be laying in the aisle for the next 15 minutes, okay? Speaking in tongues. Woo! It's what we do. Benita, that in you is hypocrisy that gets it and cares about that and just doesn't even think about the fact that this is going on in Jason's life or our life. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's what happens in our hearts when we, you know, Andy and I get together and we have these meetings, you know, we have session meetings and, you, you know, they're not recorded for posterity. But when we get in there and we talk about things and Andy knows what we talk about and Andy, this is not about what we talk about, but in a sense it is what we talk about because we're guilty. When we get together and we talk about uh, starting church on time, should we start church on time? Everybody say, we need to start church on time. Everybody here should be here. Try to be here about 1030. Quit being late. Come on. Okay? And that's important. Where do you put that on the scale of things? Andy knows. Did we, you know, and I'm not asking you to answer, but, but are we talking about the needs of the people of the church and issues that are going on? Are we dealing about the weightier issues of mercy? Are we talking about how God is moving in people's hearts and discipleship? Is that something that's in our session meetings or is it not? Or are we fooling around talking about stupid stuff? Now the Bible says, you know what? That stupid stuff's important too. But what happens is, is that we get tangled up with the stupid stuff because we can fix that. We can fix the start time of our church. We can fix the weeds out front. Those things are easy, right? They're what we call the low-hanging fruit. But what's difficult and what's hard, because see, we can come, and if our church is cleaned up and there aren't any weeds out there, it looks like things are going on just fine. Jesus describes these men as whited sepulchers. On the outside, they look a certain way, but deep inside, they have dead men's bones. He's not saying that about our Christianity, but he's, just, he's using that. We see that and we despise it in the Pharisees. And he's saying, but you can, be, you can have the tendency to do the same thing. You can figure out how to get your family together and have them all match when they come to church on Sunday so that they look good when they take communion. But are you really focusing on what God thinks is important? 
Are you really spending time in discipleship with your children and loving them? Are you really cultivating a relationship with your wife? Are you really worrying about this person who's uh, sideways with the church and as a result might lose out with the good things of God and their family might be estranged? Is this coming into your heart and mind or does it even enter your mind? And God is saying, when it doesn't enter your mind, you've let all those little things that you should do You've let them come to the forefront in all the things that you should have done more than the little things. You don't do them at all. And you go away looking nice, looking clean, but inside what you really... It's like we we could have a church that looks like things are fine because we spend our time working on those things that you can see, those things that we notice, things that bother. You know, that really bothers me. Well, you know what? Good. Fix it. But, but can we fix it and still have time for the, for, the, for the real work of God, the weightier matters of things? Or is it, oh, you know, you know, you know and, and Jonathan, you're like this. I, I'm like this. I, you know, I want the songbook to be right. Right? I want the, 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 the program to look good. And I want all that. And God is saying, the program should look good. The songbooks should be right. They should be in the right place. We shouldn't trash them. But God forbid if we spend our lives working on that in our mind instead of working on what we should be working on. That's what God is calling us to. And this is where, this is where, we, where we struggle because we're saying we want those things to be right. And Jesus isn't saying don't do those things. He's saying they start to take a place in our life and in our work and in our church where they should never be. They should never be in the front. Amen? They should always be done. They should not be neglected. But we do them at the neglect of the things that we're going to get around to later. And God says, you know what? You know, this is what I tell my family. Okay, we, you know, Robinus have had sick wife, sick dad, whatever. And I just say, you know what? I don't really care. I don't care if my kids graduate from high school. Don't really care. You might go, well, that's horrible. Now, I want my kids to graduate. How many want your kids to graduate from high school? Everybody say, I want my kids to graduate from high school. How many thinks if you could make that come to pass, that'd be great, right? But if your children leave your home and they don't know how to call on God, and they don't know how to have faith, and they don't know how to forgive each other, and they don't know how to love each other, then you really have failed. Your kids might go get a good education. They might go do a job. They might make money. They might do this. But you have neglected what? Everybody say, the weight of your matters. I mean, how hard, you know, we may get them to memorize scripture every week. And I'll tell you what, that's fantastic. I'm telling you that memorizing scripture is a dangerous thing for your children to do if that's all they're doing. Because they will come to the end and they'll be the one who can do all 12 weeks, all 12 months. They'll be the one who can say it just right. And God will not be pleased with it. Because you know what 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 they've gotten? They've got knowledge that puffed them up. They've spent time on it and they've seen that that's what you care about. Meanwhile, other things are being undone. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe do, do not after their works. For they say and they do not. For they bind heavy burdens, okay? This is a sign of hypocrisy. How many people have the tendency to say, let's make a rule? This will fix it. Let's make a rule. Let's let's put a rule together to make this better. They bind heavy burdens, grievous to be borne, and they lay them on other men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move one little finger. All their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. 
I thought this was very funny. You know, how many knows what a phylactery is? It's not a place that you go and you build things at the, at the phylactery. <laughs> I work down there at the phylactery. And, I'm, and, and, they may, and Jesus said they make big, big, big factory, phylacteries and uh, we shouldn't do that. Uh, that's not phylacteries are these leather-bound boxes that were little that they carried the scriptures around it and they could read any time. Anybody have a, a, an equivalent to that today? A little leather-bound thing that you keep your scriptures in? Anybody have a, a, a modern-day equivalent? How about a Bible, right? Jesus says they carry the biggest Bibles. Isn't that the funny? I mean, Ashley, if you think if you wanted to draw a cartoon of a hypocrite, it, would he have a little Bible or would he have a big one? He'd have a big one. And you know this, right, Luke? You know how art, you know, it, certain things have, can be seen, you know? You put the big Bible there and everybody knows, well, that's a hypocrite. You know, he's got the big giant Bible. Now, is it wrong to have a big Bible? Everybody say, it is not wrong to have a big Bible. Jesus is helping us to see the tendencies that come from hypocrisy. Big Bibles are not a sin. You could have a company that makes big Bibles. Righteous living isn't bad. But righteous living for the wrong reason is is detestable by God. And it should be detestable by you. All their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. They enlarge the borders of their garments. God had told them they had to have a border, so they made a big one. It's like, you know, God had told them they had to wear a belt buckle, and so they wore a big Texas gold belt buckle, you know? And they're like, you know, what do you mean, you know? Did you guys hear that joke that, that uh, they're not going to be able to, that they didn't pass the law in Texas? Well, did anybody see this? That, that, that having a belt buckle with your name on it would not allow you to, to be able to vote, you know, that you still had to have your driver's license? And the cartoon says, well, why else would I have a belt buckle that said Bill if my name wasn't Bill? You know, it's pretty funny. Sorry. You can edit that out later. They love the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. And you might go, is there anything wrong with getting to sit in the good seats? Is there anything wrong getting to sit with the nice people? Is there anything wrong with dressing up and looking pretty? There's nothing wrong with any of it. But the Bible says it's better to be asked to come up and sit in the good seat than it is to be asked to go down. There's nothing wrong with sitting in the good seat. But it's helping you to understand what part of you don't you want to feed. A part of you, the Bible says that we are to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And you might go, hey, you know what? I see some hypocritical tendencies in me. I don't want to feed them. So why do I want to sit in that good seat or in the synagogue? They like greetings in the marketplace. They like to be called rabbi, rabbi. Jesus, you know, he didn't just say rabbi. He says, rabbi, rabbi. I mean, can you picture it? Jesus is, you know, everybody's around and and someone sees you and they go, rabbi, rabbi. And the the guy inside just goes, yeah. (laughs) Everybody in the whole street knows I'm a teacher. These guys, did you know that in the time of Christ that the Jewish people could not, they they didn't know Hebrew. Did you guys know this? Jews had completely forgotten how to read and write in Hebrew. And the only people that could were these rabbis and these teachers. And they were thought of so important. That's why Jesus is going, you've heard it said of them of old. Because they would, 
they would flock around. They'd go, Rabbi, Rabbi, what does it say? What does it say? And they couldn't read it. Kind of like what happened in the Middle Ages when the Bible went into a language that nobody could read. Rabbi, Rabbi, tell me what the Bible says. And they would come up with all kinds of neat self-serving things that the Bible says that they should do. Once again, I believe Jesus is using hyperbole here. And you might go, I, you know, that's a little dicey. I don't think you ought to say that. I, it can't be that Jesus means exactly what you think he's saying here. I mean, how many of us call our dad father? I do. My kids call me father. Jesus said not to do that. Jesus said don't call anybody teacher or master. I mean, you know, in school, teacher, teacher, you know, right? Professor so-and-so. We do this. What, what is Jesus teaching here? He's teaching this sin that loves to be the important person. The one that loves to be called the important name that, that, you know, that when people call you pastor in front of other people, you're like, that's right. I'm a pastor. I'm Pastor Mark. Pastor Robinette. You didn't know that? It's, it's okay. There's part of us that loves for the sake of the way other men think of us. I was in an AT&T store the other day and this guy was trying so hard to sell me something. He was this young black guy and he was... He had the sales face. I mean, I, I was going to leave. I didn't care if he handed me, you know, it, I wasn't going to buy enough. If he would have told me, there was nothing he could have done. I didn't go in there to buy anything. But he had, he was real up close to me. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, man, you should definitely do sales. Because like, I don't want to buy anything. Don't have any money. Ain't going to buy nothing from you no matter what you do. But I'm, I'm like afraid to leave. I'm like, you've got me. You're, I'm in your tractor beam. You know, and he's like, he said, you're, you're a teacher, aren't you? And, and something inside me is like, that's right. I am. He goes, I can tell. You know, I got my glasses and my beard. I mean, you know, whatever. Shave it off, take away my glasses. I'm just a bald, fat guy, right? <laughs> he that's greatest among you shall be your servant. There are people that don't like to do certain things because, well, you know, they'll get the wrong idea. They won't understand how important I am. They need to understand how important I am. Jesus said, this is bad. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And here's another thing. They shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. I'm going to tell you this. There's something inside of you and you pass it on to your children. You need to check it at the door of your life. You need to leave it there and never go pick it up again. We do not need to be people that every time we watch something, every time we are around other people, every time we see other people, we are judging them, those, those people. I can't believe those people were doing this. I can't believe those people are wearing that. I can't believe those people act like that. Oh, I don't, I don't think those people are probably Christians. That is the voice of the hypocrite coming out in you. And your kids will go around they'll be doing it too. So, if you, you know, it's one good way to find out if you're one. Listen to your kids. They shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Jesus said they're not going there. But they like to keep other people from going there too. He's not saying that about you. He, this, is in, this is when he's woeing under these, these blind guides. But I'm telling you, this is the temptation of the hypocrite. The hypocrite judges everybody heavy. He condemns everybody easily. He sees what other people do and they just can't believe it. 
Resist that temptation. You are feeding the beast. The beast of hypocrisy. When you are critical of everyone else. Look at those people. I mean, you know, that just disgusts me. I just can't believe it. Blah, 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 blah. That is, the, that is the godless, nasty, sinful human nature and pride. Because what is that saying? You're not doing that. You don't look like that, right? And so what you're saying is, we are good. We are righteous. We are holy. We're the Christians. They should be living like us. And the truth of the matter is, if they took us for their examples, the world wouldn't be such a great place. Because we're not so great. You shut up kingdom against men. You keep them from going, well, unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you shall receive greater damnation. He's damning these Pharisees, but he's damning them for the hypocrisy. Their hypocrisy is being brought out in a light here so that you can see it in your life. You can pass sea and land to make a proselyte. When he is made, you make him twofold more a child of hell than yourselves. You blind guides. And he goes through this thing about swearing. Once again, it confirms what I was teaching about swearing. Jesus never said swearing's wrong here. He said, when you, he said, you need to understand what goes behind all this. These people, they come up with their ideas and they get it right. They, they have swearing down to an art. You can't swear by the temple, but you can swear by the gold. Do you see this? It's the inclination to come up with a rule that goes, ooh, wow, oh, I never, man, I never thought about that. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Wow. Here Jesus is saying, you know what? When, when, is, is the gold greater than the temple? Or, you know, whatever. It's all the, the gift. And they, these people, they love to get the intricacies and to figure it out and to systematize it all. And I'm telling you, that is not. There is a good part of that and there is a hypocrisy. Hip, hip, hypocritical part about it all that we need to watch out for. And I think this is probably our most guilty place. Verse 25 in Matthew 23. Here's what a hypocrite does. It makes clean the outside of the cup. We are more tempted. We, we care more about the way things look. Have you guys ever heard of the thing symbolism over substance? We will spend more time on how things look than how things are. Because we can't abide anybody finding out how they really are. Jesus said, you know what? A dirty cup, if it's dirty on the outside, that's not so bad. I mean, is Jesus advocating us not doing our dishes well, Andy? How many of you, you go through the dish rack, Paul, and you see dirt on it? You're not happy with that. I'm not happy with that. Right? But Jesus is saying here, he's, he's doing a little bit of hyperbole here. You know what? If you're so busy, Jason, that all you have time to do is clean one or the other, what should you do? You should clean the inside of the cup. And someone might go, well, you know, my mouth touches the outside. You can get into it all. You understand what Jesus is saying. If all you can do is clean one, how about where the, where the water's going to go, and where the milk's going to go? How about if we clean that first since that's what we're drinking, right? And Jesus is making that comparison. You know, analogies break down, right? And I think what, what Jesus is doing here is he's helping us to understand that hypocrisy cares more about the outside and about the way things appear and less about the way things are. And you know what? But Jesus is saying, you know what? They can look dirty for a while. They, things can look like a mess for a while. That's all right. 
If you only got time to do one thing, clean the inside of the cup. Blind Pharisee, clean that which is within the cup and the platter that the outside may be clean. He's saying, you know what? If you spent your time cleaning the inside of the cup, while you're doing that, the outside is going to get clean. I mean, imagine you're doing your dish. Luke, Luke and I one time had a little discipleship, me teaching him how to do dishes, right? Not that he needed it. I did it just for the fun of it. We were over there at his house and I was trying to teach him how to love his wife years ago when he first got married. I'm like, this is how I do it. First, I run the hot, first, I clean out the sink. I can give you my whole technique. I got a great, I, in fact, I'm pretty good at doing dishes if, if, if you want to know that. But Luke, if we were doing that, and, I, and I'm like, Luke, clean the inside. And while you're cleaning the inside, the outside will get clean. You'd understand what I meant, right? You're like, why did sepulchers? You appear to be beautiful outward, but within you are filled with dead men's bones of all uncleanness. Outly righteousness appears to men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and you garnish their sepulchers of the righteous. Oh, my word. Who killed the prophets? They killed the prophets and they built them really cool memorials. I mean, seriously? That's that's, that's hypocritical, right? Imagine you're a war protester and you went around saying the people in Vietnam were a bunch bunch of baby killers and treated them like trash. And, you know, let them go homeless and whatever. And then later on, when when it became popular, you helped build a monument to Vietnam. That's basically what he's saying here. Here you have the prophets. And you're decorating their tombs as if you weren't the the vile bunch of teeth-gnashing heathens that killed them. You and your fathers killed them all. This This is what they do. It's called revisionist history. I mean... Certainly the people that decorate the tombs and make the nice monuments, they certainly wouldn't be anti-profit, would they? (laughs) You better believe they were. They say, if I had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have partaken of the blood of the prophets with them. He said, wherefore be witnesses to yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill up the measure with your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? He's pretty rough on them, is he not? He's rough on them and their sin that that is so horrible is hypocrisy. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to end here. He's telling us to beware of that very sin in our own lives. We talked about prayer. Does Jesus want us only praying in a closet? Was it a sin for Heath to pray in the back of the room here? That's not what Jesus is saying. But if Heath you know, writes his prayer and reads his prayer and he's not thinking that there's a God in heaven who's listening, but he's more worried about you people, then there's something wrong, Heath, right? If you're writing it and you're, you're so nervous about writing it because you're worried about what people will think and so you go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to pray. Then there's something in you that needs to be dealt with by God. And you say, God, cleanse me from this. I don't want this, Lord. I'm just calling out to you. And I know we don't come to church looking bad or we don't want to pray bad prayers, but there is a fine line between wanting what's right and righteous and just looking like it. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites, for they have a sad countenance. They disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to fast. 
When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. Just, you know. And you know, you, know what, you know what we do in our hypocrisy? We make rules. All right, here's the right way to fast. No one can know. No one can know. How are people not going to know if you're fasting? It's mealtime and you're sitting down and you're not eating. We eat a lot, do we not? Don't appear to fast to men. Well, you know, so what? You should act like you're eating? The hypocrite part of us goes, well, now when you fast, you can't tell anybody. That's the only way it works with God. It's like, it's like magic, right? And if anyone finds out about that you're fasting, your magic's gone. The idea here is that there are people that are like... And finally you go, what's wrong? You're like, nothing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What's wrong? Well, I've been fasting for the last 30 minutes. Because I love God and I love the people of Myanmar. I'm going to fast for another 30 more and then I'm going to eat a cake. people in conversation well yesterday when I was praying for three hours God spoke to me really Jesus is warning us dwelling inside of our flesh there is a monster there is a a thing that looks cute to us that we overlook but it is in there and it doesn't mean that we're lost and it doesn't mean we're going to hell you know I, when someone told me that they believed Ananias and Sapphira were going to heaven, I thought it was the most wonderful thing I'd ever heard, Steve. I'm like, I used to be like, Ananias and Sapphira, those dirty bunch of dogs, God killed them, and they're burning in hell today. Look at them. I would never be like that, right? And someone said, you know what? I believe Ananias and Sapphira are in heaven. Someone said this. I'm like, really? He said, I bet they're in heaven. And when you see them, they'll be like, yeah, we're Ananias. We're those stupid people that thought we could fool the Holy Ghost. We cared more about the praise of men. But you know what? Our deaths did really good because it really helped change the church and put the fear of God. We're so glad we were used. I I think heaven is going to be more like that. I don't know if Ananias and Sapphira are going to heaven or not, but I think it's going to be more like that, Steve. I really do. You think you're going to go to heaven and go, you know, I got I was pretty bad when I was a kid, but but later on I straightened up. Right? I had like a gang name and I used to tag things and and, you know, I saw Elaine, I'm like, hey. <laughs> right? And I was, you know, but, but then later on, you know, God straightened me out. And I didn't sin so much. And I did good. And I didn't have bad thoughts. And, and you know what? God saw fit to bring me into His people. You think heaven's going to be like that? Or you think we're going to go to heaven and go, you know, God was so merciful to me. I was a self-righteous hypocrite. And, and you know what? God brought me low. He, he, he had my wife do all these horrible things to me and, and divorce me so that I could be a divorced person so that I could go, oh yeah, I guess, I guess that can happen to somebody. Because I was there the whole time and I saw what happened and wow, okay, well there you have it. You know, God loves us. He loves us enough to not leave us the way that we were when He found us. And He will, you know, thrash your leg or He'll bring some devastation into your life or difficulty in your life because we have a tendency of pride and hypocrisy and difficulty. And if God's fixing me because I'm a hypocrite, then thank God for it. 
If he's got some other plan, it's okay. But hypocrisy tries to live in my heart just like every other sin. And I need to be able to see it. And God's Word illuminates it in my life. And, and, and I hope you're here today and I hope you're not going, you know what? You know, he took, he took a chance to take a few shots at me. I hope you're going, thank God that the Word of God has hit me square today. And I can, I can call on God for my need for a Savior today one more time. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You for Your kindness, Your mercy, Your love. We thank You that Your Word has been like a great light. And whereas we thought we were trying to be righteous and good, we have indeed been guilty of focusing on the things that are not so weighty. Love, mercy, judgment. But instead we have figured out the best way to tithe on the little herb garden that we have that's so small it can't even be seen. To strain out a gnat out of our water because it's an unclean thing. We would certainly not want to have that make it in while we're drinking a glass of water. Oh God, Lord, Lord, let us be people that don't drink gnats and who tithe on every little thing that we have and, and who love You. But let us not do so in ignoring the weightier matters. Help us to recognize hypocrisy in us and instead of chuckle at it in ourselves and despise it in others, may we despise it in ourselves and pray to You to teach us how to not give provision to it in our flesh. To give it no quarter, but to kill it and bring it under submission to Christ. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Lord,